0: Today on the On Enquirer podcast, Michael Tulip joins us to give his thoughts on Illinois splitting its two games last week at home, Michigan State win, but a Maryland loss. What is he concerned about offensively, and for him, more importantly maybe, defensively, about the Illini as they head into a stretch that includes a road game at a Michigan team that Stopped its uh, losing skid and beat Ohio State, a team that's pretty talented, at their place. And that included Doug McDaniel playing there. So uh, Doug McDaniel not playing his games on the road because of an academic suspension, but he will play at home. So the Illini have a challenge with the talented sophomore guard from Michigan there, especially after getting crushed really by Jameer Young who had 28 points and 8 assists against the Illini the other night we also get into the rest of the Big Ten and where Illinois without Terrence Shannon stacks up in the Big Ten we now have 4 games of a sample size without Terrence Shannon on this team in the Big Ten and Illinois has gone 2-2 and In those games, with losses at home to Maryland, on the road to Purdue, and a huge win over Northwestern, and a very close win over Michigan State. So, where does Michael Tuop still see this team finishing in the Big Ten? We'll talk about all of that coming up. As I'm recording this on Tuesday morning, of course, we are waiting to see if there's a ruling in the TRO hearing for Terrence Shannon. So, I'm recording this before we would hear any of that so far. Uh, But I do want to weigh in on Illinois football, and that is with. Brett Bielma deciding to make a big change to his staff. This is now the second time after a five and seven season that Brett Bielma has not been afraid to make an urgent move. He decides to dismiss linebackers coach Andy Boo, who's been on the staff for the last three years, and he decides to move on from Antonio Finellis, who he hired just last year to be the defensive backs coach, and he had a focus on corners. On the surface, Finellis is not a huge surprise, given the huge struggles in the secondary, the huge struggles at cornerback. Um, I know you lost an All-American in, in Devin Witherspoon, but Taz Nicholson did not have a good year. Tyler Strain, ups and downs, and they basically bailed on him late in the season. Uh, and then you had a lot of freshmen uh, that that got playing time, and the JUCOs that you added that you expected to make an impact did not make an impact whatsoever. So it's not a huge surprise on the surface. Of course, Finellis played for Brett Bielma. Uh, he played with Aaron Henry. So there's connections there. There's uh, relationships that are there. But I do think it shows that Brett Bielma is not afraid to move on quickly if he feels he needs to upgrade because 5-7 and seven was a disappointment. The defense we knew was going to take a step back. This was too big of a step back this past season. Uh, so now it's on Aaron Henry and Brett Bielma to fix this. Uh, but Andy Boo leaving is is a bit of a surprise, right? Brett, uh, Andy Boo is very well-liked from what I've understood. Uh, really good recruiter for Illinois, probably surprisingly so to some fans. With his connections in New Jersey, done a pretty good job in state getting some good linebacker prospects, including Kaneta Odaluga, James Crutz, Jojo Hayden. But uh, Brett Bielma, I think, is showing what needs to be shown, which is this is not good enough. Our standard needs to be higher. Uh, and I'm just interested to see where he goes. He obviously usually has a plan when it comes to this. And there are some really interesting names out there. Kerry Cooks, who is on the LSU staff, was formerly on Brett Bielema's Wisconsin staff as a safeties coach. He's a big-time recruiter, uh, recruits Texas in the south, uh, so he could potentially come here. He was Aaron Henry's defensive backs coach. Uh, at Wisconsin, so that could make some sense. So there's some good linebackers coaches. Um I, I'm just wondering we haven't been able to talk to Brett bielman and his statement was very dry, it didn't give us a, a lot of reasons. So I'm just interested to see the duo he decides to bring in here. Is it Aaron Henry's turn to kind of decide, I want this guy, I need this guy, um, this is what I need, or is it Brett bielman saying, I need to surround you with more veterans, I need to surround you with different guys who have a different scheme. And that's kind of overhanging all of this is what kind of schematic adjustments does Henry make Uh, in year two as a defensive coordinator? We talked about it on this podcast with him after signing day that three years into this defense, Purdue and Illinois finished bottom three in the Big Ten in scoring defense. That maybe teams have kind of figured out, maybe they've found the holes in this defense uh, that they know how to attack, and now it's their turn to adjust. So it'll be interesting from both Purdue and Illinois' angles of that. And and I do think Aaron Henry, I don't know if it's a shot across the bow to, to move these kind of moves, make these kind of moves, but I think it's a reminder that he's got tons of pressure on him. He knows that. Um, he's got tons of pressure on him to produce this year. And for everybody asking about Jim Leonard, listen, if, if Jim Leonard wanted to be Illinois' defense coordinator, I think Brett Pielman would make that move. Um, Leonard's been very picky. He could probably get a, a bigger job. He's in the running for the USC job, it sounds like. Um, could he land somewhere else like that? He's been very picky. He wants to be close to his family. His family loves it in Madison. Um, he's decided to prioritize that for the moment. So it'll be very interesting to see where he decides to go and what his plan is. Um, I don't think that is going to be the case uh, at Illinois. I've, I've been given no indication to think that Aaron Henry will not be defensive coordinator for another year at Illinois, but who does he need around him to, to help him um, take a big step in year two? That's what's going to be fascinating with this offseason and these two hires for Brett Bielma. He usually does not make a move without knowing what those moves will be, so it would be interesting to see what comes out of that. All right, Michael Tuup, he's up next on the On Enquirer podcast. This episode of the Alana Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Think opposite of new year, new you. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash all right, it's time to catch up with our guy, Michael Tua, Polonic Choir, basketball analyst. After two home games, that Illinois splits. They beat Michigan State 71 to 68, but fall to that pesky Maryland team, Mike. They can't get over uh, the Terrapins, who have won 10 of 13 against Illinois since they've entered the Big Ten. So I think it's pretty obvious, Mike, when you got an, a number in front of your name, you got a target on your back. You had two desperate teams here Michigan State. We're going to get back on track. And of course, Maryland with a a terrible start. This is by far their best resume booster. What was your biggest takeaway from this week at home?
2: Yeah, I think I wanted to see how this team would fare against two really top 25 defenses. And both games kind of played out in a way where it was wire to wire and you were going to be tested in different ways. And when shots aren't falling, what do things look like on the defensive end? And then what does late game execution look like? I thought there were just a lot of things that were exposed. And I think in a good way, because now you can address them. Mm -hmm. Like there's certain things as conference play goes on, as much as people want to say, oh, the book is out and teams can, well now like, you know how teams are guarding you, you can adjust as well. Um, And then also defensively, there are just certain things we'll we'll get into the nitty gritty of it, but just handling specifically Jameer Young in ball screens and why that's so difficult, why this Illinois team made that so difficult for themselves. Uh, but overall, I thought that Michigan State win was a great win yeah. because I I just I wanted to see this team in a close game like that, in a game where you you know didn't have your best stuff, had to win ugly, and they did that. And then the Maryland game was just, you know, lack of focus. I thought it was a lack of toughness, and uh, that showed itself in, in different ways.
0: So let's start on the offensive side, Mike. Illinois had 1.08 points per possession against Michigan State, 0.97 uh, against Maryland. What, what did those two teams, especially Maryland, uh, expose about the Illinois offense? Well, obviously, you know, both teams um, – Maryland started
2: off with some zone, but even at times they had, you know, Reese guarding Rodgers. Uh, Sissoko was on Rodgers. And I thought Illinois did a really good job of exploiting that with Ty Rodgers being aggressive and having the ball in his hands and, and attacking those bigs in the beginning of that Michigan State game. But look, I, the Maryland game specifically, they didn't get bad looks. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, when you have a lack of focus and you have a lack of toughness, there's usually five things that, I think about, and one of those things is finishing around the rim. Like, that is a toughness play. And those misses can be deflating, but you can't let that carry over onto the defensive side. So I thought they were fine offensively against against Michigan State, um, but even against Maryland, good looks were there. You just have to be able to convert. You're putting so much strain on your defense to have to be really 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 good if you're not going to make those fast break layups putbacks um you know that 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 was kind of discouraging and I thought it, it led to some of those offensive because if you think about that Maryland game they got off to a 13 to 5 lead they were up 20 to 11 You know that ball was moving they had assists on you know six of their first seven baskets or whatever it was so I, I didn't think it was something that it was like man Maryland's doing something mm-hmm. specific it was just they took their foot off the gas and lost focus. And that just that that can't happen in a conference game like that.
0: Mike, how do you see it as somebody who's played the game, obviously coached it a little bit, how do you see lack of focus, lack of toughness, intensity? Because Underwood was all about that after this game. Luke Goody and Marcus Damast talked about that. I mean, it's probably going to happen with college kids especially. It happens in the NBA as well. But what are your signs of – okay, this team is not bringing it uh, to the full level tonight?
2: Ball screen coverage. Hmm. That, that's If you want the most overt sign, it's ball screen coverage because that requires communication. Hmm. And when you're not focused on who is setting the screen, yelling it out, what coverage it is, it becomes really difficult. And then, you know, lack of focus on the glass, the lack of focus on personnel – Right, you got Harris Smith, and for some reason, when you want to guard him, like he's a shooter, um, you know, you have Jordan Geronimo, and I know both those guys made threes, but you can't guard them in a way that takes you away from you know providing help on Jameer Young, providing help on Julian Reese. That's not to say you're going to sell out and double team, but that's the type of awareness and focus that I'm talking about is like it's it's with the scout it's with your communication and a lot of that is on the defensive end and if you can't get stops then that now that's putting strain on your offense and and vice versa so um that's that's what I saw and the lack of toughness was was on the glass I thought Maryland just their their second and third effort um was just was just better and and that that was also disappointing because you're at home and those are the games that you have to take care of if if you have the goals that you have, which is to to be in this race for a Big Ten regular season championship.
0: Yeah, and you know, against Michigan State, I thought Michigan State threw its its best punch, Mike, and and, and Illinois responded. I don't know if it just comes down to you made a couple more shots in that game or, or what it is, but uh, what do you think accounts for the difference in, in kind of intensity? Because I I did not question Illinois intensity against Michigan State. That was that was a, a I don't know about a heavyweight fight, but that was that was definitely a brawl.
2: Yeah, I think. You know, one thing that I attributed to, and this may be going a little bit too granular, but, and I don't want to, I don't want to single out one guy because there was a, there were a lot of guys that were not on top of their game and focused. Uh, but particularly, Jameer Young got going when Justin Harmon came in the game, mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't know, maybe he was sick. Maybe I, there was a complete lack of assertiveness, uh, intensity. And what you worry about sometimes, and you shouldn't have to worry about it with an older group, is when minutes start to be guaranteed. Right? Justin Harmon, when his minutes weren't guaranteed and he had to like scratch and claw every time he came into the game because that was what was going to keep him in the game. And then now you're playing 25 minutes a game the last five five games like you know do like you revert to old habits because I said it before the you know like even before the season when we talked about him at Utah Valley State like there were times where he was disengaged Mm -hmm. defensively and would kind of be standing around and and wasn't great guarding the ball I thought he really turned a corner for Illinois this year because you just kind of have to when you're when you're surrounded by that defense to stay afloat Mm -hmm. and there was miscommunication like the the angles of his feet weren't great jameer young started getting going and and that was that was kind of it so there's there's certain things that that you worry about there where if, where if you put in a dre gibbs Lawhorn for three minutes like that's that's when maybe there's a spark right because yeah. you're putting in a guy that is pretty much fighting for his life and trying to scratch and trying to claw and you got to be you got to be smart with where you do it now like that is maybe like a you know 1250 left in the second half um maybe we get two really like great dre gibbs all horn on the ball pesky fighting his ass off minutes and then we can get him out at the under under 12 media whenever that happens like that's where i think when when these guys aren't stretched so thin with their minutes because i thought that showed itself against purdue was like there are like five viable bodies now (laughs) And, and and so that's 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 certainly part of it.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, Mike, is is this rotation too short right now? I I get why Brett Underwood has six, seven maybe players he's playing right now, especially with Monty Hansberry banged up. um, But are guys logging too many minutes? Are you seeing that on the court?
2: I think so. um, Because really it's it's seven guys that are logging minutes and six are really logging minutes. Because, I mean, Dane I think is eight minutes a game in the last – Five games Against high so, majors,
0: it's like five minutes a game.
2: Right, right, exactly. I mean, I think you you have to – and maybe – I think they're going to get Moretti kind of ramped up a little bit here. I just – coming off that injury, that that probably wasn't the game. Jameer Young, too.
0: That, that's not a good matchup for him. No,
2: no, not at all. And you you got to be a little bit more smart with where you probably put him in. That's not – Moretti right now is not a guy you just roll out for 20 minutes regardless of the matchup. Um, but I do think Dre Gibbs Lawhorn is a guy that you saw. I don't want to say he like changed the game at Purdue, but he fought. He fought because there's something there's something for him to fight for, and and that just has to be the mindset for these guys. Where whether it's fatigue, whether it's missing shots, and all that stuff compounds. You know, you need a leader. You need somebody out there that's going to rally everybody and be like, "Hey, we got to lock in. Just take this possession by possession." and and put our best foot forward and then hey if they score on us all right well let's go back down and get our best offensive possession because if you have that mindset maybe you can put the ball in the basket a little more to set your you know to set your defense and then it all starts to snowball in a good way so yeah I I mean I think you got to find ways to incorporate some other guys I mean Amani was getting minutes a little bit Terrence was obviously getting minutes and now this thing got really thin really quick and, and you don't want to try to, like, I get you want to squeeze as much out of the orange as you can. But, um, <laughs> but you know, like, you have to find ways to to, to counteract and, and balance out that rotation.
0: I, I want to get to you um, about ideal roles maybe for Danger, Gibbs-Lawhorn, and, and some of those guys moving forward. But I didn't mention this in the post-game podcast, I wish I had. But Brad made an interesting comment about how Friday was disjointed. With practice and all that, and that's of course the day all his teammates, uh, all the teammates went to the the hearing for for Terrence Shannon. I mean, this week is a reminder. I mean, Mike, that this team has a little margin for error without Terrence Shannon, right? They're two and two in the Big Ten since Terrence Shannon was suspended. I think we would have thought something like that, right? But you know, a game like against Maryland, it was obviously like you could use him uh, at some points. And you know what, these guys have done an unbelievable job of, of focusing and, and of adjusting but the impact is felt whether it's distraction off the court or if it's just not having an all-american on the court yeah
2: i mean just dis- distraction is a distraction yeah and it's certainly a human yeah it's it's a there's a human element of it um these are college kids uh these are these are guys that you know some of them probably roommates mm-hmm. with terrence so as much as you want to like try to escape it you, you really can't um and they're obviously showing support for him by going by going down to the springfield but um yeah i mean look after that fdu and northwestern game and i think i said it on the podcast where it's like hey they, those are two teams that the way the, the way they played and their style was going to really lend itself to like that particular group even without terrence because it's post trapping it's passing out of the post trap um you know neither of them had very dynamic bigs uh so you, you were able to do some things on, on both ends and then you got to purdue and you put up a, a good fight but they they jumped on you um so now like as you go through the big 10 i think after those that fdu northwestern game it was like hey maybe the final four is back on <laughs> and and i think in this league it's going to be tough cuz as you're man- as you're trying to manage these distractions or it's like is he coming back? Is he not going to come back? If he does come back is it for 10 days, mm-hmm. right? I mean like there's all of that going on and you just you just have to do your best as a team to try to ice out all that noise. And it's it's hard because now for this team how tough do you want to be when there is a built-in excuse? Right? Like if they falter it's well you know they they didn't have their their first team all-american so no we get it it's like yeah. this team's too talented for that and and they have too many old older players experienced players um to like go in the tank they get that just that just can't happen but i i will say you have to lock in because as much as as much as people want to talk about um the big 10 from the standpoint of like ah you know 6 7 bids it's a down it's a down league i think at the top maybe but the middle is still talented so you're 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 going to have nights where if you feel like you you don't have your best stuff like there's going to be teams that that are going to make you pay for that so yeah. it was a long-winded way of saying that you just game after game in this conference no matter what the distractions are you gotta find you gotta find a way to, to lock in.
0: Yeah, because uh, at Michigan not easy. Home against Rutgers, I'd hope they'd win that one. But at Northwestern, home against Indiana, at Ohio State, home against Nebraska, at Michigan State, like these aren't going to be easy games. Um, because even if there's not a ton of teams, you're like, yeah, definite tournament team. It's not a lot of teams that like you can say, yeah, Illinois is just way, 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 way better than passion, drive, and patience. Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? with rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors. But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last with no compromises. Goodweave certified handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now you can get a free sample with the code InnerCircle. NordicKnots.com.
0: All right, Dane Danger. What is his ideal role? Because he did give a spark, had some bad defensive moments against Maryland. We know he can be a productive player. um, we've talked about why Coleman Hawkins is so important to this team and, and his impact and why they're so much better on the court. What is the ideal role for Dane Dange on this team? Because it, it feels like Brad Underwood's still trying to figure that out. I I know I'm like the quote-unquote analyst here. Jeremy, I don't know. I don't either. I don't, I, I I
2: don't really, have a good answer there. I, I don't. I think if you want to say what the ideal role is for him, he's probably playing it right now. Be, like that and that's just that's just the reality with playing Coleman at the five. I know we've I know we've talked about that a bunch, but shoot, even when Coleman fouled out, they went with Gary at the five.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I don't know. I mean, I think he is a guy right now that in certain spots can give your offense a spark. See the breaking are- case of
0: emergency offensive option, kind of Georgie a couple years ago.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's a good uh, I think that's a good good way to frame it. But I, I will say the difference between Georgie and Dane is, you know, Georgie wasn't like a great defender. He talked his butt off. Yeah. And he communicated. Yeah. That, that is something that, that you could hear through the TV with Georgie. And that just has to be for Dane, I think, to try to get extended minutes. It's just going to depend on what he values when he gets on the court. Because for him right now, yeah, you might get some post-entry touches. You may run the floor a couple times, get some rim runs. But right now, man, it has got to be – I, I got to be this this good in ball screen coverage. I got to be – I got to communicate. I got to be just – you will not keep me off the glass. And it's really got to be those two, three things for him. Because sometimes when Imani Hansberry goes in – to me that seems like the two three things he's thinking about. Yep. He's like, "I don't care. I mean, you don't even have to I don't even have to touch the ball."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I'm going to run, I'm going to rebound, I'm going to defend, or at least I'm going to try to defend. Um all of that has to has to factor in for Dane if he wants to continue to get you know some extended minutes. Uh, but again, I'd go back to it. I'm not sure what that looks like with 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 Coleman at the 5.
0: All right, Dre Gibbs Allhorn, Nico Moretti, Amani Hansberry. If if Brad can try to extend the bench a little bit, like what, what do roles look like for those guys moving forward?
2: Yeah, I think there was this I see a lot of stuff on social media with Nico where it's like help is on the way. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that's entirely fair to Nico. Because if you if you remember, I mean he had kind of the one game. He hasn't played anybody. Right?
0: like He like, hasn't ever. played any high major um, opponent really.
2: Right. So that's just – that's a lot to ask of a guy not only who hasn't done it, but who's coming off of a foot injury. So, you know, are there times where maybe you can get him in there and in, 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 certain, in certain spurts because you're turning the ball over and you want somebody that can kind of set the table a little bit? Maybe. Uh, Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn right now, to me, is a guy that's like, hey, we need a spark. Like an energy spark boost someone who's just going to kind of get in and get in there and kind of stick his nose in there i think that's that's the role for for each of them mm-hmm. but both of them have to guard or they're not going to play so there's just i mean these other guys are too good defensively now justin Harmon wasn't great on that end um against against maryland so maybe that opens up some opportunity but uh, for those two guys no matter what it is offensively Defensively, it's what are the matchups? How do we feel about those matchups with those two guys, and how can they fare on the on the defensive end?
0: I know he didn't have the cleanest game. He had five turnovers. A lot of them led directly to Maryland points. But I just want to acknowledge: five games into the Big Ten schedule, only Zach Eady, excuse me, is is scoring more points per game during Big Ten play than Marcus Domask. Eady at 23 points a game. Domask at 22.8 man he's he been impressive like his ability to get shots I know a lot of it was later in the game but he kept Illinois in the game there late when they were really struggling offensively so uh, anything new on Marcus Damask?
2: well I'm seeing a lot of these kind of midseason lists come out with transfers and who's the best transfer pickups and you see Hunter Dickinson you see you know a number of these other guys I don't, I'm not really sure where this Illinois team would be without him Um in terms of when you lose Terrence having a guy that can step in and be like 22 a game in big 10 play I mean that is that's that's nuts because as much as like Quincy Garrier had it going and as much as Coleman Hawkins kind of had it going as well like those are two guys that have to be kind of beneficiaries of guys breaking down the defense inside out you know picking pops like those are guys that have to rely on others defensively they can't necessarily like it's not their strength to just like go get their own yeah the mass strength is he can he can go get his own now i think that maryland game was his worst floor game yeah. of of probably the season given the circumstances i mean the amount of times that he jumped in the air to pass and turned it over like there i think he had three or four live ball yeah. turnovers and a couple of them led directly to maryland run out layups so that just that can't happen like as much as he's kind of getting into like the scoring uh being such a scoring threat he still has to be mindful of just taking care of the ball and making sound decisions uh and just just being under control uh which is kind of what he always does and it's like hey you just play off of two feet you don't have to get caught up in the air uh but but yeah overall i mean talk about return on an investment um (laughs) Yeah, you know, like he, if uh, he,
0: I've seen some leagues start to do a newcomer of the year on top of freshman of the year, like he would be it right now uh, in the Big Ten. Like Ben Creaky has been good. Um, yeah, kamala has been good. Like has been good, but but I think Damascus head and shoulders. Store has been really good. Store has
2: been really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean store store would probably those two guys are probably cool aware. Yeah, but, the I, two that the two that are up there. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I think. He's just been so solid. And we'll see, because this is a lot of usage mm-hmm. for him. And can he stay healthy, right? Can he... Uh, He's the top of the scouting not, report, right? Like, Yeah, top of the scouting report. Can you not lose steam? Uh, now, the guys that are top of the scouting report that are matchup issues, uh, and it's not like, hey, they do something specific, I, that helps, Marcus, mm-hmm. because he can... I mean, I look at Doug McDaniel. I mean, we'll see how they try to guard Illinois, but there's a lot of games left on the schedule where he can go into back down mode. Um, He just has to continue to be uh, relatively safe with the ball and and not have that lead to, to run outs for the other team.
0: All right, Mike. Uh, Game at Michigan. They ended their sixth game losing streak by beating Ohio State, who just could not make shots. Uh, They they had a huge 16-0 run to take the lead. The Buckeyes did, but not able to close it out. Uh, And Michigan will have Doug McDaniel available. It's one of the most interesting things I've ever seen, a – suspension on the road but he gets to play home games uh he's a good player uh is their point guard so what are the keys uh, against the wolverines who probably feel a little bit better uh after seeing what illinois uh did against maryland and and what they did against ohio state yeah well that that
2: suspension is the most michigan thing i think (laughs) we've never seen just can't be uh, nothing is normal with with them um but look, I, the one thing I'm looking at is how you guard Doug McDaniel in ball screens. Mm-hmm. Because with Jameer Young, here's the thing, and I meant to make this point earlier, and it's, it's relevant for this Michigan game. This Illinois team, at times, they ice on the sideline. And when I say ice, I mean, hey, if I'm, if I'm dribbling the ball down the right side of the floor on the wing, when you know when a big comes up to set a screen for me to come off with my left hand, from the right side, these Illinois players will flip their hips and force towards the sideline. So they're basically keeping you on that same side of the floor. Okay, and they did that a few times with Jameer Young. So you do that on occasion. You switch one through five on occasion. You switch one through four on occasion. You play drop coverage on occasion. When you have all these these different things that you do because you are versatile as a defense, you have to communicate. Or else, or else the guy guarding the ball screen doesn't know like they're not supposed to be the one turning and looking to see who's coming to screen. Mm-hmm. Like I can't turn and look and be like, okay, it's Julian Reese this time. Okay, it's Coleman back there with me. We're probably gonna switch this. Oh, it's Dane back there. We're probably gonna be in drop coverage. Oh, it's Geronimo this time, so this is about to be a switch. That has to be yelled from the person that's coming up and setting the screen. Who's guarding them? Like if I'm guarding Kamwa, or is it Taris Reed coming up and setting a screen? That has to be yelled out loud, at home, on the road because you are putting the guy guarding the screen in the worst position possible and then the guy guarding the screen you are guarding your man straight up I am guarding Doug McDaniel straight up until I get told what to do don't predetermine it as a ball screen defender because that killed Justin Harmon against Jameer Young it was like oh like a screen might be coming so I'm I'm just going to flip my hips early Mm -hmm. and then there was no ball screen help from a big and then Jameer Young gets right down the lane for a layup, like two or three times. And then you're you're flipping your hips. And then when there is a switch, like if it's if it's like if it's um, Terrence Williams, right, or it's Burnett coming to set a screen, like that. If they slip it, if they ghost it, if they set it, it doesn't matter. It's a switch. There were too many times in that Maryland game where. You know, you had Dante Scott come up and, and like, slip out of a screen and two ran with the ball or two ran with Dante Scott. Like, that has to be automatic. So that has to be communicated. So that is the one thing for me. And then just you you can't get punked like you did against Maryland. Because the one guy that I look at, Will Cheddar, like, he's a guy that if you don't want to box out, if you don't want to make the toughest plays, he will do it. Mm -hmm. So... And then, like you have to make Taurus Reed guard. Um, you have to make Doug McDaniel guard. And we'll see if they if you can put them in different apps in different actions. And and then the last point I'll make is just being aware of personnel, shooters, non shooters. If it's a non shooter, okay, I can help a little bit. Um, once that non shooter makes a three, that doesn't all of a sudden make him a shooter. Mm-hmm. So just being aware of that stuff and having focus, especially on the road. Um, and, and then you know. The hope is that you can come out of there with a with a road win. I don't care who the opponent is. And with Michigan right now, they have talent. Yep. I, I said it before, Jerry. Remember last week. I said, you got Maryland and Michigan. Both teams are talented and they're yep. both at
0: this like, whatever, let's just let's just let cut it loose. Yeah. Cool. And that makes them dangerous. Cam was good. Doug McDaniel's yeah. good. Like they got some talented players. That's why this has kind of been a train wreck so far this year. They're one of the most underachieving teams, but Maryland was coming in to uh, Sunday. Speaking of Ohio State. Why aren't they better? I, I like the pieces on that team. How are they two and four to start Big Ten play here?
2: I think there's a couple of reasons. I, I earlier in the year when I watched them play Santa Clara in the, the Emerald Coast Classic and Destin, Santa Clara would just like sell out on ball screens and try to trap. and then you know you had Zed Key and Akpar running to the rim pulling in the defense now ohio state Jamison battle all these guys they're just shooting like tee up threes mm-hmm. and then now teams have shifted to either like switching one through five or kind of sitting back and drop or zoning them at times which illinois won't do that and it just it bothers them because they don't necessarily have in my opinion like a dynamic wing scorer mm-hmm. jameson Battle's good like kind of in the way quincy garrier is where it's like catch and shoot rip drive can do those things and then i i don't know i mean I, i think is bruce thornton like a true one like is roddy gale a true two right like to me it's like they're missing they're missing something at the top because bruce thornton would be a really good two roddy gale would be a really good three and Jamison Battle would be a really good four. Unfortunately, they are two, three right now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just – I don't know if there's enough there. And then last year, it was borderline impossible for a team that was a basically a top 25 offense in the country to be 4-16 and 16 in conference play. Like, that is like – that is how bad their defense was last year. Bryce Sensiball had a lot to do with that. Yeah. But now it's like there's times where they revert back to that. And, and just they cannot get a stop and and that is that is hurting them and i don't know i know they got a new ad coming in from what it sounds yeah. like and their schedule is light coming up like i i would have to go back and reference it but i it flashed on the screen yesterday when they were playing michigan i was like oh my gosh but you could look at that one of two ways that is either gonna be
0: wins or if some of those are losses it's gonna get louder mm-hmm. in Columbus for sure yeah who finishes higher in the Big Ten of the two teams Illinois just played, Michigan State or, or Maryland? Michigan State. Yeah.
2: Um, I think Michigan State, again, don't quote me. This is somewhat off the top of my head. I think they have – and Minnesota's better, but I still think Minnesota's one of the bottom teams in the in the Big Ten despite where they're yeah. at in, in conference. They still have Minnesota twice. Um, they get Penn State again. There's another, there's another team I think they have – twice again that's kind of towards the bottom of the Big Ten. Uh, I think they might still have Rockers again, but I think they just have a lighter schedule. So I think Michigan State, uh, I also think Michigan State's just a better team. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that they'll, they'll finish higher than, than Maryland. But I think Maryland's, look, uh, once again this year, I think they're nine and one at home or eight and one at home. That's a really tough place for teams to win. I know, I know Purdue won there, but, um, I think both these teams. I wouldn't be surprised if both these teams are in the top six when it's all said and done.
0: Maryland just got forced to shoot. You know, Illinois did that in the first half uh, for the first part of the first half, and it worked out well for them. It's a terrible shooting team, but uh, they're athletic, they're big, uh, and they got two dudes. like uh, Julian Reese and, and Jameer Young are all Big Ten caliber players, and, and we know Dante Scott uh, is a pretty good complement to those guys as well. So Illinois, 2-2 two and two in its last four Big Ten games. We brought that up. How, how do you feel this team still stacks up? In the Big Ten, as we wrap up here, Mike,
2: I, I think they're they're still a top four team yeah. in the league. Um, they'll they'll be they'll be right up there. Now, Wisconsin, they just, I mean, they just keep adding AJ Store. I mean, that is something that they just they needed. I, t- I talk about dynamic wing score, like something that Ohio State really needs, and Wisconsin has that. And they already have guys that value taking care of the ball, that play hard, that know where to be defensively. And AJ Store is a guy that came over, and that wasn't necessarily a strong suit on the defensive end. He's starting to figure it out, um, you know, just kind of assimilating there. And and uh, yeah, but again, I, I mentioned it. I mentioned it before, where I view Illinois as as a top four team, like a double buy mm-hmm. team in the Big Ten. But you're still gonna have to go out and prove that and you're gonna have to prove that against this like the again the middle of the big 10 to me like maryland northwestern ohio state nebraska iowa like those are not teams that you can just go in and be like we can play 50 percent today and we can get 50 of our best game today i just don't i those teams are too talented now like nebraska they're too talented now um that's that like they can make you pay they can shoot the ball they can that they they hoibert nailed it in the portal with some of these yep. additions and uh, i know you beat northwestern uh handedly at home but like that's another team that on any given night with boo booey and um you know if they do lock in with their with their post trapping they can they can get you in ohio state uh for as many lapses as they have defensively and sometimes they don't play with a ton of toughness on any given night they can hit 14 threes so, you know, you got you, you to gotta take it one game at a time in Big Ten play, but understand that it's not about the opponent. Um, each one of these teams has a chance to, to knock you off if you don't bring your A game, you, but you have to bring that. You have to be focused and locked in. What's the scout assignment sound? all that. If you want to achieve what you want to achieve.
0: Yeah. And we certainly learned that this past week, Illinois is a, a big resume booster for a lot of these teams looking for resume boosters. Michael Tulip, you're the goods, man. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, man. Thank you to Michael Tulip for his insight. As always, we'll catch up with him again next week and see where the Illini stand after two more games where they will be favored, but one on the road at Michigan, which is feeling better about itself. And then another at home, against a the Rutgers team that's really struggling to score points. So, I think Illinois should be heavily favored in that Rutgers one, but getting a road win at Michigan, even a struggling team, would be significant. Uh, you got to go steal some on the road now after dropping one at home. So we'll catch up with him next week. We appreciate you listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Hit the notifications bell. Hit that like button. Hit subscribe. really appreciate that as well. And we will have all the latest on Illinois basketball and Illinois football at IlliniInquirer.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.